Welcome to Frugal Fundamentals, our virtual workshop series where we provide resources and information for athletes to succeed in and out of sports. This is our learning series that focuses on different themes athletes can use and apply to their own financial playbooks. These are live interactive workshops and we hope you like them. So Frugal Fundamentals, theme of the week, entrepreneurship. So I thought I'd, you know, I had to have you on. Uh, Quincy Ameriqua, professional soccer player, uh, mental strength coach, entrepreneur. Uh, the list goes on and on. But uh, tell the people about yourself. Tell them. I want to tell them, like, what, what you're not doing, basically, because you're doing everything. So just give us the rundown. Oh, okay. That's good because we can – we'll cover – why doing too many things isn't good, but it's good to know how to do things and then when to delegate and stuff. So we could talk about that entire uh, process, I guess, and where I'm at in, in all of it. But saying what up to you, uh, Adrian, what up? I see John, John Hollinger joined in as well to you, Luis and uh, Jonathan. What up, you guys? And then I saw iPhone over there, but I'm not sure who that is. That is. But um, yeah, someone you got to connect with. Someone I'm going to connect with after for sure. Okay. Awesome. So uh, yeah, my name's, my name's Quincy Maraqua. I'm most uh, known for, uh, or most people first find out about me uh, from my professional soccer career. I'm, uh, I would have been going into my 12th year pro um, had I, had I, uh, I'm currently in my free agency year. So this would be my 12th year at the MLS level. Completed my 11th year with DC United last year uh, before the kind of pandemic hit. But um, most people are first made aware of me through professional sports. And then uh, once, once that kind of happens, I've, I've always seen myself as an entrepreneur. Uh, that's kind of how I was born or raised. Uh, we could probably talk about so that. When did, it, when did it start for you? Like, when did that entrepreneurship start? Because I remember you at UC Davis, like you were selling like bicycles or something. Oh, yeah, I was everything. We, we started a, a book resale business on Amazon where we We'd buy those books and sell them, sell them online on eBay. Uh, so to answer your question, entrepreneurship for me started the first official story that I can, the first official actual act of entrepreneurship before I understood like ethics and how that all worked was, I want to say around eight, eight years old. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I saw my sisters like books. So then I set up a library in the bedroom and like put like a gate around and then I charged them 50 cents to come in and, and <laughs> read a book to read a book. <laughs> that, yes. That, yeah. So that was my, I'd say that's my earliest attempt at entrepreneurship. And then from there uh, it grew um, starting with buying, um, buying candy bars at Costco wholesale when my when my grandfather took me there one time and I realized I was like well hold on you could buy 50 candy bars for like 15 bucks like yeah. they sell this for a dollar a piece that's at my school um and then that just kept evolving and I really enjoyed just the process of uh more so the game of making money and exchange and stuff yeah. transaction it wasn't so much necessarily the money I've, uh the, the money's a way to keep score it's not necessarily I wasn't getting money to like buy items and material things and stuff like that like it was more so I could have more money to play the next game and the next game and to level up. So you talk about game. Can you talk about like, do you think athletes are natural entrepreneurs? Uh, you know, like athletes, they love the game. Like sometimes they play, you know, for the love of the game. Um, entrepreneurship, you know, the best ones, it's like they love playing that game, you know, building something from the ground up, you know, bringing it to scale, then starting the next one. So do you think athletes have that natural entrepreneurship skill in them? I think, I think athletes have a natural uh, a natural draw to co competition, and they falsely believe that that means that they'll be good at entrepreneurship. Oh, okay. I need you to dive into that one. Yeah, entrepreneurship is a different is a different game, and professional athletes think that because they're really good at their athletic physical sport, that that means that they're going to be good at entrepreneurship. And I would say most times they aren't. And they're not because in order to be, we're talking in generalities here now, yeah. in order to be an exceptionally great athlete, professional athlete, you have to have a very big ego and self-belief. 
and in entrepreneurship in the entrepreneurship world uh, again in general a large ego actually lowers your ability to build teams and to delegate and elevate and to scale right so like um, I think uh, I think uh, athletes have the ability because they're because of their skill sets that they develop in a professional environment to transition into becoming an entrepreneur more quickly or easily than let's say the everyday person. Uh, but only if they're able to get their ego in check and understand that they can't be good at everything, they're not good at everything and why, and then create systems and processes to, to facilitate those strengths and weaknesses. So I know. You know I, I think that's important. You talked about ego and like one of the biggest things with athletes when it comes to transition is being you know, humble because, you know, you're at the top and then you're probably going to have to start entry level. And you talk about this game, keeping score, ego, systems, processes. How can an athlete transition into entrepreneurship, like in a successful manner? You know, because many times it's getting popular now, as you see, um, people are talking about, like, you have the skill sets to transition and do whatever you want. Like, but what skill sets do actually help you? And what, like, what things do you actually need to look out for to be a successful entrepreneur? Well, I think even athletes can lose sight of the fact that the reason they got to a high level wasn't because they started working out yesterday. It's because it started probably, in my case, 24 years ago when my mom was willing to pick me up after track practice after school and then drive me across town to soccer practice. Then my dad would come and pick me up. And then I'd go get, get home, finish my stuff, wake up, do the next thing every day and did that every single day for 10 years before it even became an idea that I could go to college because of it. Right. That's a great point you put because like everyone thinks like, you know, a startup, you know, if you invest in a startup, it's going to take seven to 10 years for it to really hit. But like athletes, we're so used to that quick satisfaction in our pro career, but we don't take a step back to understand like, you know, no, this started at youth sports. This started in high school. So that's a good point that you made. Correct. And more importantly, the likelihood that your, your startup is successful from a, from a statistical percentage basis is I think you're more likely to have a successful business than you are to be a professional athlete. So that's another reason why your worldview and your perspective on, and your ego is such a limiting factor into being a successful entrepreneur. Um, from the standard in which I would determine is a successful entrepreneur. Uh, I think you had mentioned it yesterday on the show when we were talking about it, that uh, a lot of the successful pro players that you see, um, the the successful entrepreneur pro players that you see, in my opinion, are not as successful of entrepreneurs as portrayed or seen because they make so much money off of their likeness, their image and the level that they are in their professional career that it makes up for the flaws that they have from a, from a business experience perspective, you know, um, a, a better way to make it more relative is in boxing, right? You're either Floyd money Mayweather, Mayweather mm-hmm. in your own deals, making $250 million for one flight fight, or you're the, the no-name guy who's maybe making $50,000 for the fight. And after you've paid your ring guy and your training fees and all that stuff, you, you probably owe the government like $5,000 in back taxes. Right. Yeah. So, so the disparity is very, is very large. And, and um, most players don't realize and understand what, what their flaws are until their career's over. And then at that time, it's exponentially harder to build, to get your foot in the door. So, so um, most people don't learn the hard lesson until, until the mountain's so large that they don't even decide to try to climb it. So okay. hopefully, yeah. So uh, the number of players who who only realize what the value of their pro career was after their career is over is like 99.9%. Okay. So how do you balance it? Cause like as an athlete, you know, being an entrepreneur, you can, you're supposed to take advantage of your brand image and likeness. Like that will take you to the promised land. 
Um, and you're talking about it, how you don't let that confuse you with your entrepreneurship skills. And we talked about it yesterday on your, your channel, businesses without having like a direct plan. So with you, when you started your businesses, what were the first things that you made sure of? You know, you always, you, you always preach systems and processes and teams. So can you talk about how you started your ventures and like built that up? Because you weren't always as popular as you were now when it came to, you know, your brand image and likeness as a, as a soccer player. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually vilified and hated for the fact that I was willing to invest time into my post career while I was playing. It was actually huge. It was a huge negative it was a huge, huge negative yeah. for me. I remember, yeah, I remember when it was like, now it's like, now it's embraced, but before it's like, no, he's not focused. He doesn't want to, you know, he's not a team player. He's only thinking about himself, but, but you know, where, where would you be now if that was the case? Correct. So the, the main thing is <clears throat> opportunity is where nobody else is looking. And once you start mining opportunity and people look at you, they don't understand what you're doing and because they don't understand they're scared of it. And most people, especially in professional sports, especially in egotistical alpha male sport, things they're scared of, you destroy, you kill, you, 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 you yeah. right. So it's a natural defense mechanism. And, but in that process, what it's also doing, speaking to systems and process like you're talking about is, if you remain consistent in doing what you know is valuable over time, right? They're just helping validate your system and strengthen your system over time. Think of it like a, you know, a bacteria or a virus, right? Mm -hmm. Unknown, we don't know what this is. We've never seen this before, destroy it, kill it. This is bad for us. That's the first inclination. And maybe when starting out, excuse me. Yeah, my model isn't quite right. My, the way I'm speaking isn't quite understood yet. It, I haven't quite polished, right? It's coal, it's coal. But I believe if I press this, compress it long enough, it turns to diamonds. Then once I have diamonds and I have a process to develop diamonds, I can now create an industry where diamonds are meant to cut and create other tools. Uh, diamonds are meant for jewelry. Diamonds are meant for uh, 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 alternative fuel sources. You know what I'm saying? But it all starts with coal. And if most people look at coal and they don't understand the process to make diamonds and they don't understand the industry that diamonds will create, they look at you as an idiot for digging up coal and mining coal. Okay, so what's your coal? You know, you got perfect soccer, you got mental strength league, you got some real estate ventures, you do some financial empowerment, you do digital media. So talk about like the different coal that you're mining and like your process around it. So the coal was my mentality. It wasn't, it wasn't understood and it wasn't welcome because so let's, let's, uh, for me, I go, having an opinion isn't worth having if you can't argue both sides, right? If you can't argue on behalf of the person you oppose, then you don't have a strong enough argument, in my opinion, to, to uh, decide that you're right or be willing to tell someone else that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at it from the perspective of like, my mentality when I showed up at the professional level I have to think from the perspective of the other guys now looking back in terms of when I showed up, my story was I never watched professional soccer on TV. I don't have a favorite player. I don't know how MLS works. I don't know how the World Cup works. I don't know what the Champions League is. I couldn't name any players on Man United or Real Madrid. So you were more, I'm a businessman playing soccer than I'm an athlete playing, um, playing business. Correct, but I didn't understand or know that when I started out, I thought that I was just approaching it the most practical way. When I'm talking to guys, I'm going like, bro, all of our careers are gonna end one day. Like, I hope it's when we're 30, 34, 40 years old, and I hope none of us get injured, and I hope everything goes perfect, and I hope we all are Landon Donovan and we make $2 million a year. But I'm going like, statistically, that's like impossible. Uh, Why is it that everybody thinks they're the one who's going to make it? Yeah. So when you figure that out, okay, you have that mentality. You figure it out like the statistical um, 
analytics behind everyone make, being successful is like very low. When did you start that first business? Oh, uh, okay. So I started my, I started my first businesses before I got there. It's so it's my mentality and how I approach whatever it is that I'm doing. So let me, let's actually, let's set better context for that. So when we're with the question you asked me before is players in terms of, are they entrepreneurs or not? Every single individual and person in the world, whether you acknowledge it or don't, in my opinion, or at least in the world system as it works, is a business. You are an entrepreneur. You're either a successful one or you are an unsuccessful entrepreneur. But you are, you are a business. Yeah. Now, if you operate your business as, a, as an individual, as a W-2 employee, especially here in America, you do not get to participate in any of the tax incentives or benefits if you just did your business under a company structure, an EIN, right? Like, or sole proprietor, or LLC, right? Immediately just doing business through, uh, accepting your money. How you accept your money determines how you're taxed here in America. Sorry, I'm just you know, yeah. down, breaking it down, right? If, if MLS pays you, Amobi, directly, the government's taking their cut before you get it. So the government's a middleman between you and receiving your pay. But if MLS pays frugal athlete LLC, the government does not take its cut until after they understand what the entity of frugal athlete LLC is. So if frugal athlete is an S corporation, they go, oh, that's a, a single pass-through entity. So all money paid to Frugal Athlete LLC receives this $100,000, $100,000. Then the board of directors and the CEO, whoever has the fiduciary responsibility to the company of Frugal Athlete LLC, gets to now determine how that capital is then deployed. Uh -huh. And based on where they deploy that capital determines the tax implications of that capital. now or in the future based on the current tax law or tax code, right? Yeah. Most people haven't done, even done the research to understand that if they just incorporated their own marketing company or consulting agency, and just rather than being employed by their employer, they were employed by their own entity and the entity received the money first, they would have much, they would, they'd have much more control over their financial future and, and what's available to them. Yeah, I've actually heard that before. You know, a couple of people have done that, like, you know, label themselves as an entity, whether it's an S Corp, LLC. And it's important to know that, you know, you should definitely consult with a lawyer or financial advisor before you do any of these things. Um, but, you know, treating yourself as your own CEO, your own business, uh, there's definitely implications in that. But I want to talk about you and Perfect Soccer and Mental Strength League and all that, because... I feel like people know you for, you know, your, your intellectual analysis on, you know, how you view, you know, the world as an athlete, you know, being business first, being business savvy, but they still don't know in terms of like all the things you have going on. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So, and I apologize. Cause I know you're asking me many questions, but this is actually part of my process. I call it mind mapping, right? So it's setting up. <laughs> I know. I got you. We've had we've had plenty of conversations about this. Okay, so no, I, I love how you like you. It's like a puzzle for you, and you guys, you know, you pin the pieces together. So, yeah, nah, we got all the time in the world, man. And what I what I've learned through this process is, um, you, we we're all speaking our own language based on our own personal experiences through the keyhole of understanding that we have, right? So the best way to communicate to a large audience is to have a common, common thread of understanding rooted in experience. Uh -huh. So describing my story and the different ways in which I was approaching it, as well as acknowledging and showcasing the fact that culturally I wasn't a fit in professional soccer when I showed up, but I was unaware of not being a cultural fit. And based on the language I was using, it was being interpreted the complete opposite of how I was intending it when I started out. And it was because, let's say I'm looking at you and I say, you would tell me Zidane, 
right? And you'd be talking about him and you talk to me about him and I'd look at you with a blank stare on my face, even though we're training every single day. And I'd be like, I don't know who that is. And to you, that would be a complete insult because that's your God, right? You like grew up watching him religiously. Like you watched many, many games. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the guy across from you who's beating you today doesn't know who that dude is. So how does he know? And he's trying to tell me how to play the game or how I could be improved or better. So you see how like, I'm over here like, hey man, you should be investing in your future and you should be thinking about your brand. And and it was like, shut up. You don't even know who Zidane is. You don't even know who this guy is. So what are you talking to me about money and investing in future? I look at your contract. You're on $34,000 a year. I'm making 120. What are you talking about? But most of these guys wouldn't say that to me. Right. So I didn't understand. So setting that context in terms of like, if you don't find common ground with the individual you're speaking to before you start speaking, you may be destroying the potential of a future business or a network or a, or access to an industry or world that you don't even know exists. So the reason why I'm setting that context and letting you know is the reason why I always end up getting an opportunity is because of my mentality and how I approach every single situation. So even if I show up in a new world where I don't know anything, I don't speak the language, I don't understand the people, the people don't understand me. I know that if I remain committed in, in being open to learning and putting my ego in check, even though that's not how it's perceived by most people, most people would say that you're very egotistical, you're arrogant, you're believing yourself, you're not humble, you're all this type of stuff. I'm going, yes, I am all of those things, but I'm also open to the idea that I could be wrong. And I'm questioning you until I can understand for myself, which also comes off as questioning authority, which most people aren't able to emotionally be okay with and understand. But I think as athletes, it's important to ask questions, you know, whether it's entrepreneurship, getting into a new space, like if you don't understand something, um, then how are you supposed to excel in it? You know, um, you, know you talked about questioning authorities. Like if you have a financial advisor, they're using all this big jargon. How can you tell them like, I don't understand it? You know, how can you trust them to like manage your finances if you can't, if they can't put it into layman's terms for you? Correct. And that's why, that's why I say, and this is why I'm saying that I'm successful and why it works and I'll tie into the mentality and perfect soccer and stuff like that, right? Because I'm of the belief at the end of the day that you are responsible for your own understanding and your own knowledge and your own growth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've hired a financial advisor. Yeah, you have an agent. Yeah, you have a head coach. Yeah, you have friends and network, but you need to do the work to learn and understand it. And if your financial advisor screws you over and steals your money two or three years from now and you're not aware of it, blame yourself. Well, this person connected me with that person. Well, blame yourself for not vetting that person, right? Like if you can't vet the deal, if you can't understand the contract, then if you choose to trust someone else with that decision, then that was your decision and you're responsible whether it goes good or bad. And most pros take all the credit when it's good and take none of the credit when it's bad. So you mentioned, you know, you mentioned them like vetting the deal, like where, like, so how are they supposed to learn? You gotcha. know, if financial literacy is lacking. So every single player is capable of going on this website called Google. And I, I heard about that. Google yeah. University, right? It's free of yeah. charge. Yeah. There's another one as well. It's called youtube.com. <laughs> and then uh, there's also websites like leverageinvestmentgroup.com where I broke down exactly, okay, this is how I learned. So maybe I spent a thousand hours of my own time doing research, vetting deals and learning how to do it myself. And now here's a free course that's 50 hours of your time and it'll get you to the level of the thousand hours I invested in. But the real problem is people just don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work. And that's why only small, a small percentage of individuals are actually successful and they make it. And that's why the rich get richer and the top 1%, you know, I understand, I understand the disconnect and I understand that me saying this isn't fair and people don't like hearing it. But the way that you become successful is you hear something you don't like and rather than assuming the other person is wrong or foolish, full of crap, you go and do your own due diligence and research and test it for yourself 
No. Yeah, put your own time, put your own money in. So, all right. So the reason why I'm, I'm expressing that and I'm telling you, like, that's my belief, my mindset when I'm showing up to the point that even though I'm not a cultural fit, I don't know any of the people, nobody's helping me. I don't have a mentor. Nobody before me played pro. I don't have those, the access to the, the information that you're talking about. I was still able to learn and figure it out and be here 11 plus years later. Right. So if someone tried to tell you like you had to watch soccer growing up to make it, you have to know that I'm literally proof that that's not true. So even okay, if it, but how does this translate to entrepreneurship? Got you. So the way in which I was able to survive in the professional world was because when I ran into something I didn't understand in the pro soccer world, I would come up with some ideas as to why I thought it was or wasn't working. And then I would test it in my own business. So okay. I would, I'd invest in different, I'd invest in different courses. I'd watch different videos. I'd pay for different uh, classes. I invested, more, I invested more money in my own personal, um, my own personal education in terms of amount of money I've spent on Facebook ads to figure them out on my own. The amount of money I've paid for, you know, marketing courses and consulting courses and, and, you know, half of them are scams. Yeah. yeah all of that kind of stuff. And then applied it into my businesses. But at the end of the day, my real goal was saying, Hey, I firmly believe that anyone is capable of doing this have, if they have access to the information and guidance to be able to do so. And that's where the MSL mentality and mindset came to fruition, right? Okay. Really refined and, and refined into. Perfect Soccer started when, uh, after my first year, I got traded to Colorado Rapids, I met Ross LeBeau, right? Now, okay. Ross went to UVA. He was a captain and won an NC2A championship. When I talked to Ross, Ross had 25 plus recruitment offers uh, by the time he was a senior in high school and he had his, his pick, right? I, on the other hand, was planning on walking onto the track and field team for pole vault at University Berkeley because I got in there academically because I assumed that since I wasn't getting any recruitment offers, I just must have not have been good enough at soccer to play at the collegiate level. In the last tournament of my last game of my club career, uh, two coaches to recruit out for the opposing team a year, a year in advance happened to see me. And in that night, I got offered a, a recruitment trip and scholarship to those two schools. I ended up going to UC Davis, right? Before I was there, and eventually got invited to the Combine uh, and got drafted by the Quakes. Played with the Quakes for the year, got traded to Colorado. That's where I met Ross. And now when I'm talking to Ross, now I'm giving you guys a background on my story. And uh, when Ross told me, I said, you had 25 recruitment offers. What did you do? By the time he was in seventh grade, him and his mom already sat down and he knew he wanted to play college soccer. He was already writing letters. So this was before like email and all that was popular. Yeah. <laughs> writing letters and sending all of his, uh, his uh, what do you call it? His like game, game tape and all that. Everything, schedules and stuff to multiple coaches, telling him where he's at, doing everything he could. So when I met him, I said, Ross, you did it 1000% the way you should. And I did it 1000% the way you should not. I got lucky. And I acknowledged and realized that I got lucky because had I known what you known, I would have had access to much more opportunity. I happened to get access to one opportunity and I made the most of it. And now I'm here. I won't make that mistake twice. I won't make it again. I understand I, it was luck. I, I, will I will make sure it's not luck here moving forward. So when I started there, I said, Ross, that needs to be a book. That was the first book we wrote, the Ultimate College Soccer Recruiting Blueprint. That's what kicked off Perfect Soccer. And then that's what I used as the vehicle to test Facebook ads, to test marketing stuff. I did other stuff in the, on the side, but what I realized and really understood is it's much, starting and running a business is extremely difficult. The chances of success are very low. It's, so, so you wanna go with the lowest hanging fruit. And I did not want to start a soccer business. I'm not passionate. That's not my main passion. So you think it's more important to find a product or a business that, you know, makes profit versus something you're passionate about? Because as athletes, you know, they have a combination of being able to do both. Okay. So if you're talking in absolutes, if you're talking in absolutes and we're saying what's the best chance for the, for everybody, I'm saying pick the thing that you can be committed to for 10 years. Whether it, whether it works or doesn't work, you're saying, this is my industry and lane for the next 10 years. 
and in 10 years, I'll decide if I'm going to pivot, switch, or do something else. If just the thought of that alone gives you pause or like, ah, then pick a different industry. And chances are you're going to land on something you're naturally passionate about. That's true. Yeah. Because you're, you're not, chances are it's not going to work and it's, you're not going to make it. Yeah. If we're being honest yeah. to you, your business idea isn't going to work. You, it, what you're trying to do isn't going to pan out. So when I'm looking for win-wins, I'm saying, all right, then, f- then do something that if you did for the next 10 years and didn't become profitable, at least you were passionate about it, you enjoyed it, and it was something you wanted to commit your time and life to. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Most pros are not making their decisions that way. They're making it based on what's popular today, which is why so many pro players want to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you want to be an entrepreneur now? Okay. Good luck trying to beat me who's been doing it since I'm three years old and eight years old. Like I'm passionate about this. I, I've been through the ringer. I have countless experiences before you decided that you kind of want to because it's easy for you now because people are paying attention. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah, so it's, it's, my goal is really to help, help you learn the hard lessons faster so that you can figure out what will give you the greatest opportunity to be successful. So what are the hard lessons for an athlete um, you know, looking to get into entrepreneurship that may not have like known all along they wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, they got into sports, you know, had a good career or didn't have a good career. And now they want to be an entrepreneur. What are these hard lessons that you, you know, try to steer them away from or, you know, have them like look out for? Well, the, the first one is saying you won't be successful for 10 years. Like, you're not going to make money for 10 years. So if that's just have that mindset of like, it's not going to work for 10 years. It's not going to work for 10 years, but I'm going to work for free for 10 years. Okay. Right there. That's, that's the mint. That's what if I'm going to say what's guaranteed to make you successful. It might not be the You might not be successful at the first idea that you have, but if you're saying I'm committed to being in a successful entrepreneur 10 years from now, that's tough for athletes because, you know, we're used to winning, you know, you know, losing for 10 years straight. That's, that's a little bit difficult, but it's understanding, like you, you see these overnight success, successes and that's what it is. It's 10 years. It's not like, you know, right off the bat, one month in. And I've asked the athlete, I'd say, Oh, so you became a, you became a pro athlete just from last year's work. Yeah. And then I'd say, yeah, no, let's recalibrate it. When was the first day you went to youth training? When did you start? Moves, I asked you, when did you start? When did your dad start? running you out on the field yeah exactly when i was three years old okay okay now now the other kid who says he wants to be a pro and he's deciding he wants to start at 14 and i'll say okay when did your dad start sprinting you and he'd be like oh that i never that never happened i'll be like all right it's not impossible for you to go pro but you have to be you have to beat a moby he started running at three he that's his normal yeah you started thinking about it at 15. So that's a hard lesson I want you to learn. Not after you half-ass being an entrepreneur for five years and you're like, oh, you know, I put CEO in my bio and, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I took yeah. pictures in front of something. I go, real entrepreneurs can, can see that you're yeah. not about it. Tangible results. So after that, okay, what's, what's number two? Like what's lesson number two that you, you know, you, you suggest for all athlete entrepreneurs. Hmm. Let's see. Okay. So let's say you say I'm committed. I know I'm not going to be successful for, t- I'm prepared to not be successful for 10 years. If success comes before then I see that as um, I got lucky. Things went in my favor, right? I have some type of advantage that most other people don't have. And I need to acknowledge that and be aware of it. Because if not, that becomes my weakness. Uh, Now you're committed, you're doing it. You're on the path. Consistency. Consistency. It almost doesn't matter what you do because the world of information, the new world. So now, in my opinion, the new world, time will become much 
time will become much more valuable. So that's a great segue. So like what, what trends or what things are you excited for, you know, in the future? As you, as you mentioned time. Oh, I'm excited for, I'm excited for all the people who are finally trying to figure out how this online uh, remote work world works. So like this zoom call, right. Mm -hmm. Is an example of that. And uh, everyone seeing how much work it actually takes to work remotely. It's actually more work than going into work. Yeah, my dad was complaining the other day. He's like, I don't even have time for lunch. You know, you guys schedule these meetings after meetings after meetings. And by the time I, I can't even step into my kitchen to get, you know, lunch. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all about time management. And it's going to be interesting to see how it works. And that's a skill set, right? And that's a skill that if, okay, so let's use your dad as an example, right? He's like, oh, we don't even have time for lunch. And I'm doing, and thinking that and, the, and all those things. I'm going like, okay, he hasn't. So for me, I go, okay, your dad's still in his uh, third month of his rookie season because mm -hmm. I'm going, oh, he, he hasn't even figured out how to schedule and time lunch. Right. But in this technology world, you can get 10 times more done in half the time of the old world. Okay. How so? So, okay. So let's now, now let's make it relative, relatively speaking. It, I believe that the news machine, which is CNN, Fox News, NBC, all that kind of stuff. I, for me, I'm agnostic as to it. it doesn't matter what you believe or what side you, aisle you're on. It doesn't matter to me. Um, what happened when blogs came out in TMZ, in my opinion, is uh, there's now direct competition to eyeballs for news sources, yeah. media. And advertisers don't care advertisers are only now caring about what their advertisements come on with, like the, the content it's associated with. Okay. But the path they didn't pass, it didn't care. They just wanted to know that someone's sitting in front of the TV and they're going to get their ad. So the news networks are going to say whatever is going to keep people's eyeballs on the TV and, and more balanced, honest information was what kept your audience engaged. Once TMZ and all these other networks were able to just sell Kardashians and you know what I mean? Like just pure entertainment. They're taking more and more eyeballs, which took more and more ad revenue away from the news networks. And the way for the news networks to survive was they had to adapt. They say, people don't want honest information anymore. They just want to be entertained. So let's pick one lane that we know we have the largest audience on, and we're just going to speed them and share with them only what they want to see. And each network, did that so they all broke up so each audience is only consuming the information that validates their belief system and all of that as time goes on everyone's moving apart and now you're going to try to have a conversation with someone and you're like how can you even think that or believe that or yeah. a lot more tension right i believe everyone's been starved of a balanced media diet unknowingly okay so so now people are starting to see the adverse effects of not having a balanced media diet. So now they're going to start seeing alternatives and they're going to start realizing that honest information, organic food, right? Not everything processed, not everything exactly what, not cake and cookies all the time. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm going to need you to tie it back in because I'm, I'm almost getting lost. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Okay. And that's okay. I don't want to go too big picture with everything because, uh, I've been thinking about these things for a long time and this is how I'm bringing, uh, I've been making my decisions because you're asking me about, about the future. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's just re reset. Okay. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you calling me out on that because this is something I would do in the past and I'd lose a lot of people because of <laughs> heck. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, so please always check me. That's fine. Uh, my, my main, my main point and what I'm trying to express is in the old analog world, you were limited, you were limited by physical uh, infrastructure. So if I want to send a message from here to you, I'd have to go, I'd have to take the time to write a letter, yeah. put it in the mailbox, wait for a, a dude whose sole job is to pick it up, drive it, fly it maybe over there and get to you. There's a, there's a distance of time between my message and it getting to you. Okay. And, and there's a foundation of infrastructure that might have taken like 20 years to build before that could happen in two days. 
the internet replaced that infrastructure. And now that time takes half a second. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So if in, for instance, when I'm communicating now, I'm saying, okay, your dad in this context is still using the mail system, which means you're still going to get your message, but it's going to yeah. be in three days. Right. But I'm using the internet. Yeah. Which means I can send 10,000 messages back and forth in the time it takes your dad to send one. Yeah. If I'm send, if I'm communicating properly now, 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 okay. So that's one thing. The problem in the old world is we didn't understand what that meant. So of those 10,000 messages that most people are sending back and forth, only one of them is actually valuable. So 9,999 are just useless, wasteful yeah. information. It's actually information overload. And that one message gets through, and that means your dad and me in this context are on equal playing ground. Okay. But what I'm expressing is what I've been working on in terms of the mentality, the mindset, the systems and processes is I'm saying, hey, look, I'm only wasteful with 5,000 of my messages. The other 5,000 are what they need to be, where they need to be, when they need to be there. And that okay. means relative to your dad, in this context of what I'm setting, I'm 5,000 times more productive than him per day. So in essence, you're, you're excited about the, the, the evolution of productivity with time as, you know, as the future holds true. Correct. Correct. And that's a, much, that's a much better, more efficient way to say it, which now means you've helped me be more efficient with my time here moving forward. That's good. And speaking of moving forward, you know, I've got some questions from the group. Yep. Um, you're someone I admire when it comes to business. Um, can you, uh, question from Russ, uh, worst mistake you've made from a business perspective and then what did you learn from it? Worst mistake. I've made so many mistakes, bro. Um, but there has to be like a top, top one where you're like, Oh, I wish I could have done something. Obviously, you know, you have that fail forward mentality, but like, what was like the worst mistake? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to answer your question directly, but to better understand my mentality is I'm saying the worst mistake I've ever made, I'm unaware of because I've, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the result of that mistake yet. And I think most of us aren't aware that. So for instance, maybe you made a mistake of not buying the lot, a lottery ticket today. Okay. Right. But because had you have bought a lottery ticket, you'd be a billionaire tomorrow. So but you're like the, the mistake is hindsight. Is that what you're saying? What I'm expressing is, was it, what, is it a mistake not to buy a lottery ticket today? Not necessarily. I mean, and it, I would say it's a mistake if you bought it and then threw it away. Okay. So, okay. And this is really good because now this is all perspective that people choose to take when they make decisions. And this is why it's important with the context of the, what's the largest mistake that you've made, Quincy? And I say, I'll answer it within the perspective that he's asking, but I'll, I'm answering it within my mentality and how I'm looking at it based in the world I think we're in, okay. that becoming aware of. So I think in this new world that people are becoming aware of and getting their bearings in, I think the real question is saying, okay, how many times would you have won the, the lottery had you bought a ticket? But your mindset has decided that buying a lottery ticket isn't statistically smart or prudent to do. So from your experience, you've always made the right decision because you've never lost money playing the lottery, but you've also never won. Yeah. And, all the okay. people, and all the people you see who play never win. So they're idiots to you. But there's one person who will win and when they win, you'll say they're lucky. Yeah, that's good. But in, in this direct question, yes. just answer it. I got you. Okay. <laughs> I know, but this, is, but this is the main thing. I want this to be understood because we're talking about, I'm talking about the new world. Okay. Because you're saying like, how are you successful in the new world? And yeah. that's what I'm saying. This is how I think in the new world. And this is why I believe I'm successful. So I want to share that with 
with you with you guys in terms of mistake in the context of the old world of like oh what would you classify or constitute as a mistake i would say a mistake was not learning and understanding how valuable and important soccer culture was to the people when i showed up okay okay had i known that when i started i wouldn't have just been telling guys to their face this is basically what i was telling guys to their face i just didn't know it like you're a god i what it's irrelevant yeah irrelevant to me doesn't mean anything does not compute why would it i'm whooping your ass here all up and down the field and you're scared to play me today so what you watch some other dude play that's clearly not helping you here today like so essentially your mistake was not like acclimating to like the culture of where you were correct but now that here where i here i stand yeah. i would never say that that was a mistake because i approached it that way mm -hmm. and because i didn't know and because i just said i'm gonna figure it out and i'm i don't care how hard it is and i don't care how how much i feel people are literally trying to prevent me from moving forward i will i will i will yeah, finally Correct. Okay. And I'm saying because I did, I don't constitute that as a mistake. But now moving forward, because I learned the lesson the hard way, mm -hmm. a very valuable lesson for me. I would not say that this valuable lesson was a mistake. I'm very grateful for that lesson. But what I'm expressing to you is now when I'm building relationships and, and navigating here moving forward, I now have the benefit of having gone through an entire, an entire system and way of, like we talked about earlier, people being extremely angry and, and fought, fighting heavily against me because they thought I wasn't focused on my career. And that's all I was focused on. They just didn't understand where I was coming from. Viewpoint. Okay, next question. What is one or two things every athlete should do each offseason to prepare for their next decade beyond sports? So I look, I'm, I'm putting you on a time limit for this question. Gotcha, you're right. So I, <laughs> get all right, so... Um, what I do, so I speak about what I do, and that tends to always cause problems as well because everyone's like, uh, you act like you know everything. I'm like, well, I only want to speak from my experience. What I do is I look at the year. I, I attack the year based on whatever game plan I, I troubleshooted and came up with in my offseason. Okay. So at the end of the offseason, if you go on my Instagram and you go look what I had posted on there, lessons learned and relearned uh, in 2019, you'll see once the year's done, I'll self-reflect. I'll evaluate what I thought I knew when I started, what I now know isn't true, uh, what I was right about, but even though I was right, why that still hurt me. Sometimes being right doesn't make it easier on you. Sometimes it makes it harder. So there's, there's multiple levels and layers to it. And that's why, you know, sometimes it gets hard to answer all the questions directly because everyone wants, everyone wants a, the answer to fit them, yeah. Yeah, they just want a quote, quotable tweet. They want a headline. And I'm going like, hey, context is where the value is. And I think that's going to be become more understood as time goes on. And, and, and that's what I th think players should be doing. You self-reflect on the year. You put your ego in check. You, you refine your systems and processes. You, you allocate as much time and capital, money, resources as you can into it and then you attack the next year and then you uh you try to build the plane while you're falling out of the sky and hopefully before the end of the year happens you it comes together and you pick back up and you you keep going again and if you crash and burn then you literally start it's just a again start a fail forward mentality so point. like another question is like so what type of people do you surround yourself with as an entrepreneur like what like what type of people should entrepreneurs especially athlete entrepreneurs who should they surround themselves with that depends on what level you're at and how what type of network you already have available to you i like to speak to the individual who has nothing right um uh, the individual who has nothing like you come from so who, a, who would be your first hire if you like you started a business who's your first hire like you need an operations guy you need a lawyer you need a manager who would be your first hire you got to give me more you got to give more scenarios and specifics to that you, you give me give me the avatar of the person you're telling me to create a plan for so the, the problem that i'm running into with the question that you asked me right and i'm not trying to not answer the question is that 
based on what you have available to you and where you are in your career and what your specific goals are determines what's the most valuable asset for you at this moment in time. And the problem that I see in most advice that is given out to the market is just like blanket advice, then blanket advice. And then someone who's not at a point in time where it makes sense for them to make that investment at this point in time, does it, it doesn't work. And then they think it's a scam and nothing works. And now they, they, they miss out on future opportunity. So I sometimes that's a great point because I remember I paid way too much money for a website that I didn't even need. And I wasn't ready because I knew I didn't have my structure. I didn't have anything in place. I just knew I needed the website. I knew I needed to have a, like a home base, but I didn't know how to go about it. So uh, that's a great point to what you said, like understanding where you're at in relative to like the business that you want to create, uh, the business that you currently have, um, the money that you have, all these different factors. Yes, those, and to your point, and this is what's really important. And I think the question that, that came in from Daniel in terms of what was a mistake, the fact that you have the experience of wasting your money on a website and the awareness to know that it was a waste now mm-hmm. is a valuable asset to you now, which will probably save you blowing $100,000 in the future. Yeah, that's true. And, and had you not made that mistake, as in done it yourself, you wouldn't know how valuable that lesson is, which means you would have to lose $100,000 in the future to, to then learn the lesson. And that's what happens with a lot of athletes today. Yes. And what I'm expressing is make all your mistakes when they're cheap. When you're starting out, yeah. buy the website, have someone pay to do it, build it yourself and have someone to pay to do it at the same time and see which one gets done first and fastest. Uh, uh, incorporate the business yourself. Do your taxes the first time. Do your taxes the first time when you're not when you're when you're making thirty thousand dollars a year, right? Because once it's at scale, it's the same thing. It's just bigger numbers. Yeah, but you know, some athletes aren't in that niche of a sport, or you know, are fortunately blessed. You know, I mean, the, the most recent NFL first rounders, they're making a little bit more, uh, you know, millions of dollars. Okay, so then why? I hear you on that. So then why do 95% of all of them go bankrupt within five years after they're done with their career? So, so we can, I mean, if we had time, we can, we can go. I have a lot of answers to that. I got you. But my, my point is this. We need to be the, – the, the asset is time. And most uh-huh. people spend their time making excuses for why it doesn't work for them. And I'm saying, look at the data. If, if you're going to give me the counter of, oh, well, these guys have the windfall and they don't know and this, that, the other, yeah, People who make money off of them not knowing want them to continue to not know. That's true. And that's why none of them have anything to show for it three to five years after their career is done. And then they all say they wish they did the work themselves or learned it or asked questions along the way. So at this point, I think in the level of consciousness of the athlete, there's no more excuse to, and, 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 and a, and a, you know, the music industry, there's no more excuse to sign a 360 deal. There's no more excuse to, to be, you know what I mean? To. Yeah. I like your points, especially like at the end of the day, if you're like, okay, let's say a first rounder, you, you have the mindset, like I'm going to be a pro. Let me take this opportunity to learn all the things I need to know. So I don't fall into these situations that affects most of the people that come before me. Correct. And if you're telling me that you don't have enough time or you're not able to do it, then okay. Be comfortable with the fact that there's a high chance that the people you put in place will take advantage of you and you might be broke when your career is over. And that is your decision. But you do not get to, you can, but this is with me. If you're working with me or you're talking to me or you want my insight or my, my sharing with people, this is what I'm doing. I'm saying, listen, if you've decided that you don't want to learn, you've decided you can't learn, you think that doing so will prevent you from being able to remain focused on your career and to reach the career, the heights that you want in your career. Fine. That is your decision. But if you're sacrificing your life post-career for Uh your career, that is your choice. And nobody is going to feel sorry for you or cry for you that you didn't know that you shouldn't have spent your full first $5 million check that (laughs) you signed. Like there's, and that's what they need to really understand. They love you today, 
but they will be much more happy when you're below them in the future. That's true. And I think A-Rod yeah, a- 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 said it uh, best on one of his podcasts, you know, the world loves fives, you know, someone that they can like look up to, but someone that's like not too far ahead, you know, so uh, that's a good point that you made. You got more? I'll keep, I'll keep cutting. No, 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 we could. No, no, I appreciate you, Quincy. Like, as always, I always respect our convos. You know, when we always connect, we, we're talking for hours. I hope the people that were involved got to see that. Um, entrepreneurship, I think for you, one of the biggest things is, you know, it starts with yourself first. You know, the biggest thing in entrepreneurship is your investment in yourself um, and, you know, holding yourself accountable, uh, understanding like there's going to be risk involved, there's going to be rewards, but understanding that you, the person is the one that's going to be driving force. And as athletes, you know, some are very fortunate to, you know, have the responsibility to take accountability. Some are fortunate or not fortunate in the sense of like, they're expecting things to be handed out to them, Um, which leads me to my next point. Um, And definitely want to, you know, have your information, but obviously this Frugal Fundamentals is in partnership with Jonathan Van Horn. Uh, He has the shift program, which is really ties into what you're saying about you know self-accountability understanding your purpose um so definitely check his stuff out but quincy where can we find you and then we'll close with jonathan van horn sharing some of his information um uh, per, uh quincy com slash about you'll get um you'll get a background in on all of my uh you're everywhere so you, you know there's a lot of platforms that we gotta you gotta check out yeah, but that's why. Well, but that's why I say just go to per, uh, go to Quincy. I'm thinking. <laughs> go to Quincy Maricua, uh Go to Quincy slash about, and that will always have the most up to date information. All the platforms that I'm on, ways to join the MSL newsletter, the financial literacy newsletter, my marketing uh, marketing funnels, and all that kind of stuff. So you can go there and you'll pick whichever thing interests you most, and and you'll you'll get all the information there. Yeah, and for the people that are on and the people that are going to check this out as we repurpose it, shout out to Quincy for teaching us that model, you know, repurpose the information that we provide. Um, That will definitely be in the show notes. Um, Thank you again for your time. I know we could be here for three hours, but uh, you got some things to do. So with that being said, uh, make sure you guys check us out next week, and I'm going to let Jonathan get on. Um, I know he was excited to have you talk. Uh, He's heard a lot about you, Quincy, but I'm going to let him talk, talk about the shift program. And then I think that's, that's, um, that's all we got for today. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Amobi. Uh, Quincy, uh, I've, I've followed your career for a number of years. Love watching you play, your tenacity on the pitch, and just what you've done uh, off the field as well is, uh, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, just from an entrepreneur, from a business standpoint, I think one of the things that I love about uh, what you've done is that you've been true to you. And you've understand who you are and how you're created. And you've stepped into that space. Uh, and just like I said, I love what you're sharing in your perspective uh, tonight or to afternoon, where whatever coach you're on. One of the things that I, uh, one of my favorite quotes is by Winston Churchill. He said, the, the price of greatness is responsibility. And that's, again, it's one of my favorite quotes is like, hey, for us really true to achieve greatness, you have to take personal responsibility for your life, for your actions, and for, for your choices, your attitude, all those things. And that's a lot of what the, the shift course is all about, is understanding who you are, how you're created, understanding your purpose, your why. And then also walking through the process of beginning to imagine the future and really begin to really focus in on what are the goals you have for the year coming up, as well as those daily habits to really allow you to be successful on and off the field. Uh, so again, I'm grateful for a Moby opportunity to connect and to uh, partner with uh, these frugal fundamentals and myself in the, in the shift course. So again, Quincy, appreciate it. Awesome. Oh, perfect. So Jonathan, if you could share the code, I think I have it as well, but um, definitely it's on the frugal fundamentals website and a frugal athlete as well. So uh, make sure you check it out. If you're interested, if you want to learn, you know, your purpose in and out of sports, but with that being said, thank you guys, everyone that joined in I see a lot of good friends on a lot of people from the MSL army and, uh, Quincy, once again, thank you. We're definitely gonna have to take this conversation off record. So, uh, cause I would definitely want to dive in on some more things that you said for sure. Okay. Well, uh, when, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about what's going on right now. There's a lot <laughs> that's happening, like literally, right now, right now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, yeah, we could we could connect here more and maybe do something more regular here moving forward. Yes, sir. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. Talk to you guys soon. Later.
Thank you for tuning into this podcast. Frugal Fundamentals are originally posted live on our Instagram or private Zoom link. For more information on how you can join our private virtual workshops, check the show notes below.